We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. What's up, y'all? It's Drewski, and I've teamed up with Mountain Dew to produce a hilarious new basketball podcast called The Dew Zone with Drewski. Learn the backstories of your favorite ballers and celebrities like Jamal Murray. Did you have, like, a favorite team? Was it the Raptors at the time or no? Was the Raptors even started around that time? Come on, bro. I ain't that old, fam. <laughs> You're talking like I'm 50. Taylor Rooks, Asia Wilson, and many more. You won't want to miss this. Listen to The Do Zone with Drewski on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever you listen to podcasts. Welcome to the Eurostep Podcast. I'm Kane Pittman and I am joined by my good friend Ty Windish for the post or two days post free agency uh, podcast and uh, it's been a really, really busy couple of uh, couple of days, not even a couple of days, 24 hours for the Bucks. Uh, we did discuss doing a podcast last night and also this morning, but I think it's paid dividends that we held off. As the Bucks make another move today, but uh, how have you handled the first the twenty four hours? It's been probably busier than we predicted it would have been. Yeah, I think that's pretty safe to say, Kane. I think personally, just in talking about reacting to what the Bucks have done, I've been pretty thrilled. Uh, I've actually liked. I want to say. I want to say all the moves the Bucks have made. Uh, a couple things I would have tweaked about one or two. We'll get there in turn as we get to all of the uh, the moves Milwaukee has made, and like you said, you know, just over twenty four hours now. But I think overall, I've been pretty pleased with what's happened all along. You know, as some controversial, to say the least, things happened for uh, for Bucks fans and Bucks Twitter out there, which was in flames on Sunday night. Uh, I all along, you know, I learned my lesson from the uh, the Thon Maker trade that at first looked like it was just for Stanley Johnson, which was not great in my opinion. And then all of a sudden, you wait a little while and you you find out you actually get Nikola Mirotic, which hey, that didn't end up working, but that trade made a whole lot of sense. So I think kind of a similar thing unfolded between Sunday night and uh, and today. Yeah, no question. Uh, I I think that was probably. Uh, the theme that I was trying to push last night was let's just wait and see what happens here. We're six hours into this thing. Uh, and and yes, right now, as the 10-man roster that it was at the time stands, uh, they look worse than they did on opening night. 
uh, last year. But let's just wait and see what happens. Uh, I think that you know clearly there there was always going to be some other moves in the works, and we've seen a couple of those. Uh, probably names that we didn't predict come to the box uh, as time went on. But, uh, uh, well, I guess we're recording here at about 11.30 uh, on Monday night. So we're we're looking, you know, roughly uh, 30 hours post uh, when free agency was supposed to start. Of course, we got uh, some news breakthrough early. But the moves the Bucs have made so far, uh, Brooke Lopez was the first one to come through. Uh, I mean, we expected Chris Milton, but Brooke Lopez was the first one with a with a dollar amount a, a steady or a set dollar amount uh four years 52 million uh to bring brooke lopez back that was followed by chris milton five years 177 um and and probably the shocker we spoke a little bit about this in the last podcast the fact that uh, malcolm brogdon was a restricted free agent so we did maybe think that this one uh, was going to be a move that that took a little bit longer but uh, the bucks were able to uh, work out a sign and trade with the Indiana Pacers. So Brogdon uh, agrees to a, or will agree to a four year, $85 million deal with Indiana. And uh, we don't have the full details on this yet, but the Bucks to get a first round pick and a couple of seconds back in that one. Uh, so uh, we'll get to this in more detail, but for the Bucks, if you are going to let a restricted free agent go, uh, managing to get some some much needed draft stock back for the bucks was it was a big play for them uh george hill was the next one three years 29 million dollars to come back to the bucks and then after that the two guys we really didn't expect they get robin lopez uh, with a room exception 4.8 million dollars to come to the bucks next season and this afternoon wes matthews uh on the veteran minimum deal uh, the guard Matthews, but obviously played in Marquette, local local fella, will come and play. Uh, you know, probably a pretty big role with the Bucks in, uh, after they lost uh, after they lost Brogdon. So, all in all, six deals in, in the first. Really, by the time the Wes Matthews deals done, was was uh, six six deals done in about the first eighteen hours. It was a, a big uh, first or big opening. Uh, for Milwaukee and really all the key guys are, are, are done now. Yeah. I mean, at this point, there's not much left besides bench depth unless the bucks really, I think really shock us and pull off a trade for, you know, a player who could start over one of the guys already here, which I mean, would pretty much have to be Wes Matthews. You'd assume, I don't think there's any chance that uh, a player better or more suited to start on the bucks than, Bledsoe, Middleton, Giannis, or uh, Brooke Lopez will emerge at this point. But I think very interesting uh, that uh, all of this sort of came together so quickly. And I think part of the reason might be that, you know, the Bucks now are good. <laughs> and it's more than just, you know, Milwaukee lusting after these players. I mean, it's it feels a really long time ago, but it's really, you know, just a few short years from – Greg Monroe taking a meeting and signing with the Bucks to be literally one of the biggest moves the franchise had ever made in free agency. I mean, that's not hyperbole. All of a sudden, I mean, the you know guys like Chris Middleton, who we'll get to this in more detail, a controversial player among fans of the team he plays for, which seems problematic to me, but an all-star, a player who I know Adrian Wojnarowski reported uh, at least once would have had no trouble finding a, a max deal out on the market. You know, he closes a deal with the Bucks immediately before free agency really even starts. 
Uh, Brooke Lopez works to come back. George Hill works to come back. And really strong veterans and Robin Lopez and Wesley Matthews agree to, you know, not high-priced deals to come play for the Bucks, you know, without extensively testing the market. I mean, they do this right away. You have to assume both of those guys were probably pretty interested in the Bucks to come to deals like that immediately. I mean, it's not like you shop around and Wes Matthews could get nothing besides a minimum. I would strongly believe he could have gotten a bigger deal elsewhere if he really wanted to. But I think a guy like that wants to contend for a title, and I think he sees the Bucks as a great place to do it. And especially, well, no, I'll wait, I'll wait, I'll wait. But uh, what 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 are the rest of your thoughts on uh, on the uh, the quick movement or maybe uh, our first free agent here, Kane? No, I, I, first of all, I agree. This is the, and this is the reason why, and, and certainly, um, and this was not a, not a strong sentiment, so I don't want to make it sound like it was, but there was certainly uh, last night when I was trying to say, well, let's, let's, let's just like, hold off a second here and see what happens. There was certainly a sentiment that um, I guess I was just trying to you know, spin the positive message for, for the box, which first of all, makes no sense for me to do that. But uh secondly this to me right now is a franchise that you can trust uh to to make good moves and uh, i think you touched on that uh, this is now a franchise that people want to play for uh and and the big thing is this is a franchise now that doesn't really make any move without a plan and and that's why um my my confidence last night was okay let's just like take a few hours here to see what actually happens because uh, there was no part of me that had any feeling that the Milwaukee Bucks were going to let Malcolm Brogdon go uh, and not have some sort of contingency for what they were going to do uh, next season. So uh, I think we saw that play out a little bit today. I don't think the moves are done, but um, really the big the big move and the big dollar move uh, for Milwaukee was Chris Middleton. Again, you know, this is a guy that, I, you know, and it's, it's incredible uh, to really think this given, uh, you know, the Bucks have... Uh, Giannis on their team, the MVP, but I'm not sure there was a guy that we spoke about more than, than Chris Middleton through the season, uh, given, as you said, he is a little bit of a controversial figure with Bucks fans, but he's an all-star this season, a guy that has clearly uh, been the Bucks' second-best player for a long time now, uh, a guy that wants to be in Milwaukee, wants to play with Giannis, a guy that Giannis loves playing with, an unselfish player offensively, and and one of the you know, real good shooters on the roster, one of the clutch shooters on the roster, a guy that's performed in the playoffs. Uh, this was a really, really important deal for the Bucks to get done. It's a hell of a lot of money, but I, I don't think a deal that the Bucks are going to regret uh, on any level. No, and I think the way that this deal is getting talked about just feels pretty disingenuous to me, either purposefully or not. But all this talk about, oh, it's the third largest deal in NBA history. You know, is Chris even a top five player right now? Why would he get a top three deal? And it's like, that's just not how you can look at the salary cap if you want to sound even basically coherent and or sound like you know what you're talking about whatsoever. It goes up every year. You know, it's not it's not like a up and down slope. It doesn't stay relatively level. It's been going up every year. The biggest contract in NBA history gets signed every single year at this point just because that's how the max contract system operates. You know, certain players get a certain percentage of the cap based on their years of experience. If they qualify for the quote-unquote supermax, they can move up a tax bracket. But still, I mean, if you are 
a player with 10 years or more experience, and you sign a max deal with a team with your bird rights in any given year, guess what? You're going to set the new record for the biggest contract ever because the salary cap goes up every single year. So Chris's contract looks huge. People are yelling at me that he didn't really take a discount because no one else could have paid him that. And it's like, sure, but you know, you lowball Chris Middleton too severely. And I, I, again, maybe would it be better for the Bucks to pay Chris Middleton less? Sure, of course it would. Obviously, what would not be better is you try to pay Chris Middleton, you know, what another team could pay him or, or an amount he feels insulting. There's nothing stopping him at that point from just leaving. I'm just going to sign somewhere else that smartly says, "Here, Chris Middleton, you can have whatever you can write the contract, write whatever you want. You want a you want a player option? Sure, who cares? Early termination? Go ahead. Like we'll give you what you want. Come play here. That's how you need to act with star players in the NBA. And Chris Middleton's proved that he's a star player, second best player on a conference finals team that won 60 games. And I just think you can't overreact to the dollar amount when you know the cap's going up every year." We already have the projections for next year. It'll be significantly higher than it was this year, which makes this deal even more palatable. And you definitely cannot mess around with the second best guy in this team in the year before Giannis becomes Supermax extension eligible. I've seen people saying, oh, well, now the Bucks will be hamstrung because Giannis will sign that deal. And first, keep in mind that it won't even kick in until two years from now. But anyway. You know, they'll be hamstrung and the Giannis era, the championship window is closing. You know, it closes a lot faster if Giannis is upset about Chris Middleton leaving because the Bucks lowballed him and he just doesn't sign the extension. Then the, the championship window slams shut immediately. And I'll take my chances with Giannis and Chris for five plus more years than neither of them after a year or two from now. So I just think, you know, you really need to look at the big picture. You really need to appreciate what Chris Middleton does, which a lot of people sadly still don't, and just accept that good players cost money. You know, the the sort of hinky revolution and looking at everyone as assets and, you know, you have to trade every big contract to get more draft picks. Like, that stuff doesn't work once you're already good. You can't do that anymore. At that point, you have to pay for your good players. That's just how the system operates. That's how it is. That's what you have to do. You can't balk at paying literally everyone except for – a top five or top three or whatever player. This has been a rant. I'm fired up about this, but it's true. I mean, it's just how the system operates. Like at every great team, they're going to have to pay guys or they just fall apart immediately. And I would certainly rather have the Bucks pay Chris Middleton, a very deserving player in my opinion, than fall apart immediately. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I firmly believe for a while that – and first of all, I think that the the, the – uh, the ratio of Bucks fans that wanted Chris and, and didn't want him, I do think that it's it's sort of split down the middle. I, I certainly think potentially uh, the vocal portion is the ones that didn't want to pay him. And, and uh, again, we, we spoke all season about this, and I understand that the dollar amount is a lot. Uh, but, uh, you know, as I was just saying, I, I firmly believe and have for a long time that Chris Middleton would have to leave Milwaukee for Bucks fans to sit back and really think, wow, this guy was pretty good. And we probably should have appreciated uh, all the things he did for this team on, on both ends of the floor, even if they didn't always show up in the box score. And Chris Middleton certainly one of those guys. So again, certainly a lot of money. Uh, but this was a guy that the Bucks had on a, you know, one of the better value contracts in the entire NBA for the last few years. He deserved to get paid. Uh, certainly been a loyal member of the Bucks 
a great teammate for Giannis. And, uh, you know, I will say that, and you spoke a little bit about the cap situation, and certainly in this instance with the Bucks having Chris's bird rights, uh, the fact that he'd been in Milwaukee for such a long time, I, I never really understand when the cap is set up to help a team like Milwaukee, a market like Milwaukee, keep their better players, and then the fans get angry <laughs> that, that you use that money to keep these players. I mean, I, that's never been something that made any sense to me. Uh, the You know, the Bucks. If, if they didn't have Chris Middleton, they're not in a running to even get this guy. This is an all-star player. He's already in the city. Uh, if he left, you don't have that money to spend. And unquestionably, uh, the Bucks are a worse team next year. So uh, a lot of money for Chris, but I'm very, very happy that they were able to secure his services. Uh, again, a guy that's been vital uh, to Milwaukee's success this season, uh, even last season, even though they got knocked down in the first round. Obviously, an incredible playoff series that year. Uh, against Boston uh, there's a reason this guy was so highly sought after around the league uh, and and the Bucks fortunately through um, you know no question in my mind and again I've said this a few times in the podcast but when I, I spoke to John Horst during the uh, Celtics series and he made it very clear that uh, that the players knew in Milwaukee that uh, they were going to get paid uh, the guys knew that, that they that their services were wanted uh, all these guys that come back here uh, including Brogdon, that's a little bit of a different situation. But uh, very good for the Bucks to lock up uh, Middleton early on. Yeah, yeah, I mean, I agree. I think uh, I've calmed down a little bit now. I sat back, took a deep breath. I, I, I think your point about him being underpaid, very obviously underpaid by the end of his last deal is a good one. Something also to keep in mind, just, you know, this guy kind of, you know, in the same way Clay Thompson was barely making anything on his last deal, and then he gets rewarded with this huge contract. I think, you know, that's the system kind of works that way, you know, quietly between teams and players where it's, oh, we did get you on a really good deal here. Okay, you know, we're going to we're gonna prove that we're not just here to rip you off. You know, here's a much more fair deal for your services this time around. And, again, I just think, you know, some of the uh, the negative feelings about a move like this is – there's still this resonating thing that it's a bad thing for Milwaukee to be largely locked into their core. And again, I just, <laughs> this is a very accomplished core that, that was really good last season. And, you know, I, a lot of people pointing me out to Chris Middleton's playoff numbers right now. Listen, Chris Middleton wasn't the buck starter who really needed to play better for Milwaukee to beat the Raptors. Not number one, not in my opinion. I don't think in your opinion, you know, Eric Bledsoe was the guy who really, if he had played nearly cl- near to his season standards, probably talking about a championship parade in Milwaukee right now. And then I wonder if there's so much hand-wringing about paying guys who were involved in that team. So, I don't know. I just think uh, a lot of things are, you know, it's funny how a couple bounces, a couple plays, a couple quarters in, in a game can really change the perception of how you look at everything when it comes to a team. But it's uh, it's all interesting. It's all complicated. You know, I'm happy for Chris as a person to get this big contract. I think he deserves it. I think he's going to come out and prove that. Um, so while I talk about Chris Middleton, I think the biggest thing about Chris is that he gets slept on. And when I think about being slept on, I think about sleep. And I think we should talk about sleep right now. Listen to these studies from Harvard and Johns Hopkins. 
Chronic sleep deprivation has been shown to lead to depression, diabetes, obesity, and cardiovascular disease. Those are bad things, folks. We need eight hours of sleep. You know, it's hard to get there. I don't always. I've been trying to prioritize it more lately, but free agency, not doing me any favors. But honestly, something people don't know is one of sleep's biggest problems is actually temperature. It's tough to get good sleep if you're too hot or too cold. I know everyone has their bedroom temperature preferences, and it turns out these things are actually important. I want to tell you about The Pod by 8Sleep. The Pod by 8Sleep is a high-tech bed designed specifically to help you achieve optimal sleep fitness. It was developed by leading sleep researchers after tracking 43 million hours of sleep. That's That's a pretty good amount. It combines dynamic temperature regulation and sleep tracking to enhance your rest and recovery. This thing will learn your sleep habits and adjust the temperature automatically. That means if you like the bed cool, your partner likes the bed warm, now you can have both at the same time in a crazy comfortable bed. You can sleep longer and deeper, so you wake up refreshed and ready to take on the world. To celebrate Independence Day, get a free gravity cooling blanket plus free shipping with your pod purchase. A $300 value all for free. This offer ends Monday, July 8th, so take advantage of it now. Visit 8sleep.com slash bluewire. That's 8sleep.com slash bluewire. One time for my spelling bee fans, E-I-G-H-T sleep.com slash bluewire to take advantage of this offer. I don't know how you pass up on this one, Kane. Everybody needs good sleep. <laughs> yes, well, I am... Uh... I'm not going like, to touch on the ad read too much today, but all I can say is uh, another sterling effort. But uh, this is, we're going to move on now to, you know, if we talk about controversial deals to the Bucks, uh, I think Milton was obviously one, but certainly uh, in the last 24 hours, the Malcolm Brogdon uh, news sparked a lot uh, of debate amongst Bucks fans. As I mentioned earlier, Brogdon signed with Indiana. Uh, signed a trade deal with the Bucks, four years, $85 million to go to the Pacers. The Bucks are going to get a first-round pick and a couple of seconds yet. We're still waiting for some real uh, detail on, on those picks that are going to come through. But look, the, the Bucks, you know, first things first, the Bucks lose a, a starting-level uh, player. Uh, we spoke so much about his shooting efficiency this year and the things he was able to do. Uh, a, a really great year for Brogdon. But that's a big, big price tag uh, for a guy that, uh, as we spoke about in the last podcast, was the Bucks, uh, you know, probably fifth starter on offense, fifth starter on defense. Uh, they now uh, avoid paying him twenty plus million dollars per season. Also, a guy that that has missed just a hell of a lot of basketball over the last couple of years, and, and even you know back to his college days, there were certainly uh, some red flags about his injury history. I tweeted some numbers today. Uh, he's missed 60 games uh, in the last two seasons. Uh, when when you look at the other guys the Bucks really locked up, Milton and, and Bledsoe, they've missed uh, nine combined between them. So, you know, obviously a huge concern was Brogdon's injury history. Uh, this was obviously a tax issue for the Bucks, where, you know, if they paid Brogdon this amount of money, it was certainly going to rack up a substantial tax bill. But it wasn't as simple as the owners not wanting to pay the money. Uh, there was um, some red flags that I'm sure 
uh, you know, raise some eyebrows in the front office and also uh, probably just the dollar amount in the end seemed a little bit too high uh, considering where Brogdon was in the pecking order in Milwaukee. Yeah, I just think uh, I thought you were, I think, one of the first people all over Brogdon sort of, you know, just really reemphasizing the injury history there. I remember you had mentioned it to me on a podcast beforehand, and I really had to sit back and think about it. And talking about, you know, I agree. I think his his first major NBA injury did feel kind of flukish. I believe, was that the quad? Am I remembering right? Uh, the quad last season, yeah. Yeah, the quad was last season. But then this year gets the foot injury, I think, in the other foot than the one he had dealt with injuries with in college. And you're talking about, you know, some sort of problems with both feet. I mean, Brogdon, not a an NBA big man, but still not a, a small human being at around 6'5", six, 6'6", six, six there. So just foot injuries are always kind of a, one that you cringe at when you hear for an NBA player. Uh, and then I think one of the more interesting things that you know I'd seen floated around both before and after uh, the the sign and trade with Indiana was sort of the numbers on how little Brogdon shoots compared to most other NBA shooters, even most other 50, 40, 90 shooters. Despite a lot of those players, you know, having played in an era where players shot much less in general from three point range, and uh, how wide open most of his shots were the the time for shot release. And I don't mean to use any of this to say that Malcolm Brogdon stinks or he's not a good player. You know, I, I do think he's a, a very capable player, a good starter in the NBA. But I also do think that, especially this season, this 50-40-90 year, certainly benefits from playing on a team geared to, you know, leverage Giannis's incredible pull on defenses to make sure everyone else is all the way open. And I just don't know if he's going to be able to produce at that kind of efficiency on a Pacers team that, you know, doesn't do those things. You know, uh, Victor Oladipo recovering from injury, even when he's healthy, very good, but he's not going to pull a defense around the way Giannis will. I just don't know if without all that extra space, you know, is, is Browning going to be so efficient? Is he going to be able to score as much, get up as many shots as he did? I mean, he's a, a skilled penetrator to be sure, but I think – primarily the reason he had so much value was big part to do with that efficiency, that 40 plus percentage from three point range. I'll be interested to see if that number can hold up without, you know, playing on the same team as Giannis and, and Brooke Lopez, who obviously bends defenses in weird ways and, and everyone else the Bucks has that sort of makes teams worry about them before they get to Malcolm Brogdon. Yeah, there's no question. It's certainly something that I'm going to be interested to watch uh, moving forward, uh, Indiana. We we spoke a lot about Brogdon and the things he does do well. Obviously, uh, get into the get into the rack is one of his real strengths. Um, clutch shooting. We spoke a lot about that. Uh, just a, such a calm demeanor, uh, consistent uh, output from him. Really, you just know what you're going to get from Brogdon. Uh, certainly, he was in a, a a really good position this year to be able to execute. Uh, his strengths, as I think all the Bucks starters were, and I, and I think that's why they had such a successful season. Uh, I will be interested to see how this translates uh, to the Pacers, as you said. When you look at his shot profile, uh, really not a guy that shoots from the outside unless he's wide open. This is someone that has great sh- uh, shot selection. Um, I'm going to be interested to see. Uh, his release is a little bit interesting. It's sort of a slow release. It's going to be interesting to see whether he's able to get the same shots up 
um, you know, and a Pacers team that doesn't have as many options as this Bucks team does offensively, whether he's going to be able to get the same looks and then, as you said, uh, subsequently put up the same efficiency numbers, I would be very surprised. But, again, uh, you know, that's that's not a knock on him. A, a terrific player that the Bucks are going to miss a lot. But when, when you look at uh, a guy that was a restricted free agent, uh, if you can pick up uh, anything at all, and in the Bucks' case, um, being able to to pick up some some you know some draft stock here, and, and this is important uh, in, when you look at these picks, not um, necessarily uh, on who the Bucks will draft with these picks, as we know, but potentially uh, now having some assets that they can attach to different uh, you know potential trades. We know there's a couple of guys in particular that the Bucks are looking to move Ersan. And, and probably more so John Lua, uh, a guy that, that hasn't really been around Milwaukee. Uh, I think if they could trade him with a, with a draft pick, they'd do that in a heartbeat. But uh, you know, one of the concerns with losing Brogdon was that the fact that you were only getting $3 million with that cap hold uh, being a second-round pick. Now, at least, uh, you stifle that, that blow a little bit by getting some uh, picks that maybe you can, you can turn into something uh, whether it be by a trade or, or another another move in, in that fashion. Yeah, I think that's really important to keep in mind. I mean, it's funny that you know you kind of have to preface this every time now because it really just didn't end up working out for Milwaukee. But you know, the the price of uh, Nikola Mirotic was four second round picks and and Thon, sort of a project player, whatever. I mean, really, the 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 Pelicans part of it was the four picks. I don't think New Orleans was really crazy about Stanley Johnson. I mean, you can tell that by the fact that they didn't didn't even give him a qualifying offer, let him hit unrestricted free agency this summer. So if you look at four second-round picks getting you a, a pretty esteemed veteran player like Miritich, I mean, it's pretty, I would think, fair to assume that a first and two seconds would be at least equal in value. I would think even more so. I mean, a, a first-round pick, even if it's coming from the Pacers, who project to be a pretty good team for the foreseeable future, I just think still the getting a top twenty to twenty five player is so much more valuable than two guys in the you know thirty at at best thirty one to maybe more like mid forties range. So, I mean that's uh, you talk about maybe getting off salary. Uh, we'll see what happens with Lure. Obviously, the stretching is an option there, but I mean even in potentially adding a player later, I mean that's not off the table either. I mean these are useful assets. Yeah, they are going to be down the road. Um, you know, potentially. So again, this is we've spoke a lot about restricted free agents and what the Bucks have or haven't been able to do in the past. Um, this one, uh, you know, again, it's going to be one that I think that you will judge uh, as time goes on when we look at at Malcolm Brogdon and what he's able to do in Indiana. Obviously, a team the Bucks are going to see uh, quite a bit. You know, at being a division rival, they're going to play at least four times a season, potentially in the playoffs as well. The Pacers certainly expect to be a playoff team. So, look, an interesting trade uh, for the Bucs. Uh, you know, they probably uh, would have loved to keep Brogdon. It's interesting to know everything seems to have been pretty premeditated by the Bucks to this point. So you do get the feeling that one way or the other, uh, they probably had a feeling that they weren't going to match uh, a Brogdon contract of that level. Uh, it was certainly rumored heading into free agency that it was going to be multiple offers in that $80 million plus range. And, and it just seemed like that was probably going to be a stretch. 
Eric touched on it. I mean, maybe I'm less shocked than others because this was something that I expected was going to happen. Uh, it seemed uh, pretty clear to me without, you know, knowing uh, for 100% sure, but just from talking to people around the box and, and you know, it, it seemed like this was the way this was going to plan out. But one thing quickly, yeah. do you want a little fun kind of salary cap CBA nugget? Yes, uh, always. So I I don't I don't know if anyone's actually asked this. I think Bucks fans have tried to repress this from their memory so much that they kind of forgot about it. But uh, the reason Milwaukee was able to get something for a guy like Brogdon and was unable to make a, a sign and trade involving Jabari Parker last year is because the Chicago Bulls, who then obviously later traded Jabari to the Wizards, who then declined the option. But anyway, way before that. Uh, Sign and trade deals have to be at least three years in length. Uh, they cannot include a uh, team option or a non-guaranteed third year. It has to be at least three real years. So in case anyone out there was wondering, probably no one was, but just in case why that wouldn't work with Jabari, it would have required whatever team was taking him to give him three full years. And at that point, player with such an injury history, it would have to be such a low amount that Jabari probably isn't interested in taking it and being locked up for three-year deal for you know whatever a team would want to pay him for that given his injury history so yeah that's why you can't sign a, a, a restricted free agent to a one-on-one deal like Jabari got that's why the Bucks had to renounce him to make that move possible and sort of help him along there so in case just in case little fun fact that's why uh, Jabari no assets acquired from the Bulls for him just had to renounce him to allow that incredible somehow 20 million dollar deal in year one to to happen not possible through a sign and trade yeah and interesting you know while we're talking about jabari he's still out there without a team at the moment uh a free agent so we'll see what happens with him but when you when you look at you know obviously losing a guy the caliber of brogdon we spoke a lot about george hill uh in the in the last pod when we were previewing uh free agency and uh, i think we both probably expected he was a guy that was going to come back i was interested to see what the market was i really did believe uh, that the Bucks were going to be able to get Hill back. And when we spoke about uh, George wanting to play for a contender, um, I did think that the price was going to be a little bit cheaper than what the, the deal ended up being, three years, $29 million. Now, again, this is another one of those deals that we do not have uh, the full detail for. Uh, uh, it's going to be interesting to see what happens. If, you know, There are some... Uh, rumors or reports, I guess, that, that the third year will be, again, similar to this year, really, uh, heavily uh, and non-guaranteed dollar amount, which then you know, quickly makes the deal look a lot better. We're not really sure how uh, this is going to fit into the cap just yet. We spoke a lot about George Hill. I don't know if you have any real uh, you know, big things to add to this, but it's important to talk about the George Hill deal, 329 and then uh, roll into Lopez 452 because, uh, you know, it, the Bucks are in a good position to be able to sign Lopez to cap space. Uh, George Hill, it's going to be interesting to see how they fit this in. When we go back to what we were just talking about uh, with Ersan Amiasova and John Lua, two guys that potentially they would uh, like to move along to create uh, the space for both of those deals or, as we spoke about, potentially stretching John Lua is another option. So, um you know, really, we can roll these two in together, really. Obviously, um, two really, really key players, two veteran players that were big for the Bucks in the playoffs, uh, certainly big for, uh, you know, in, in Brook Lopez's case through the whole whole season. But 
uh, yeah, what direction do you want to go with these two? Uh, I think two really, really key signings. No, I agree, and I think it works to combine them because I actually feel pretty similarly about their deals. I think no question that Lopez is the more important player to what the Bucks do. The Really, I mean, something that I kind of sat with a while leading up to free agency was I see no way for Milwaukee to replace him quickly without some sort of a learning curve for the new guy. Yeah. Just the things he did on both ends. I mean, looking around the league, looking at who's available, even just looking at you know all the players. I mean, there's just not a lot of guys who at least have shown that they're capable of doing what Brook Lopez did. Those specific things. Not saying Brook Lopez is the best center in the league or anything, but just specifically being able to stretch the defense that far above the the break on threes and then defend the rim so well on the other end, fit in the Buck system perfectly. Just felt like a guy they needed to have. They got him. Uh, Hill came through in the playoffs in a big way. Very useful veteran point guard. Great backup point guard depth. Could probably start in some lineups, but I agree with you that some load maintenance might be important for the, uh, I believe, the Bucks' elder statesman at this point. If you talk about players who uh, you expect to actually play, I think it, it would probably be, probably be George Hill. Um, but I, the way I feel similarly about these deals is both of them I go, well, money's not terrible. Hill certainly feels a little high. Lopez's feels fine to me. Both of these guys, I go, hmm, the last year on the deals is going to be interesting to see. I, I, I've saw the same you know, sort of uh, inkling that Hills might be partially guaranteed in, in year three. I haven't seen anything about Lopez's, but both of them I sort of went, oh, I just – you wonder what those deals look like by the end. I mean, this is the price you pay for doing business, for getting good players. I mean, it's pretty rare to get a bargain on money and years. You know, a player has to get something, so – Seems like the Bucks were willing to give up years on both of them to fit them both in the cap this year. We'll we'll wait to see on guarantees, but I just I wonder if you know Lopez in year four of that deal, Hill in year three of his deal, are going to be you know the same players that have the same importance to the Bucks that they do right now. Yeah, uh, I I sort of uh, agree with with most of what you said. I, I think it's so interesting. Uh, when you look at the contract for Brook Lopez, four years, fifty-two million, as we said, uh, again, obviously, uh, you know, we, as we've touched on several times, we're waiting for some details here. But uh, <laughs> Brook Lopez, um, when you look at some of the other contracts that have gone out uh, for big guys with uh, Kevon Looney, uh, Robin Lopez, even to the Bucks, a four-point-eight million-dollar deal, Enes Kanter uh, to the Celtics. Uh, Big guys just aren't getting money anymore. And Brook Lopez getting a four-year, $52 million deal, uh, he really quickly became, in the space of a year or the last two years, well, you'd have to say a year because last year, remember, he signed for $3 million. In the space of a year, uh, the way he's been able to transfer his game, the way that uh, Mike Budenholzer's system fit him to an absolute T, he really became the most sought-after big man in the league, a bit a non-superstar big man, I should say. Uh, and when you when you compare, you know, the money that his brother got, and and, and I certainly think there are some discounts in there for the Bucks and, and wanting to pay his brother. There's a lot of things going on with Milwaukee right now that's attractive uh, to veteran players, but it just goes to show uh, how important uh, Brook Lopez is to the to the Milwaukee system and how much another team wanted him because again. There's a reason that Brook Lopez got 452 from the Bucks. It's because uh, the market was there. And if it wasn't going to be Milwaukee, it was going to be somewhere else. And uh, I think that knowing uh, how 
life is playing next to Giannis and playing under Bud and playing next to Middleton and all these guys. Uh, it was not a surprise that Lopez signed, but uh, certainly uh, when you think to where he was 12 months ago, $3 million deal, uh, this is an incredible uh, uh, you know, contract for him at, at this point in his career. And, and you'd have to say for the all the work he's done to change his game, uh, well-deserved. But uh, just the last thought on Hill for mine, uh, when you talk about losing a guy like Malcolm Brogdon and how calm he is in big situations, how relaxed he is, that was George Hill last year for the Bucks in late in the regular season and through the playoffs. Uh, one of the most uh, calm players on the roster. He was always, for mine, a guy that when he had the ball in his hands, I felt really good about what was going to happen for the Bucks. whether it was George Hill uh, scoring the ball, making the right pass, doing all the right things. This guy's a veteran and uh, does not get uh, overawed by the moment. And, and certainly, again, uh, you know, I think it was really important that the Bucks loaded up with Wes Matthews with the guard because I didn't like George Hill starting through the entire regular season. As I said, this is a guy you want to save for later on in the season. But I, I'm very uh, glad that he's going to stay in Milwaukee. And I think, again, in big moments, you're going to see George Hill on the floor because this is a guy that uh, does not really make mistakes uh, in the half court uh, in those situations. I agree 100%. And I think... One final thought on these guys is you know, kind of the same with Chris Middleton. Uh, if you feel like these guys are crucial to a, a, a framework of a team that is a championship contender, what do you lose by not by not what do you what do you gain by not paying them? You know, and how much can you lose by if they walk away? And if if you feel like what you can lose is the difference between a team that can really win a title and a team that, you know, is a good team, then you stomach it and you pay it. And that's just the reality of the NBA. Yeah, no question. And it's interesting when you bring that up because then, you know, people might say, well, okay, well, you didn't pay Brogdon. So yep. uh, what's the deal with that? But again, uh, I already said it in, just within this podcast, I said that this front office now does not do things without a plan. Uh, and that the plan probably came a little bit to light. I still think, as I said, there's some moves to come for this Bucks team. I'm really uh, intrigued to see what happens over the next 24 hours, the next 48, uh, however long, maybe 72. Uh, but they signed Wes Matthews to a veteran minimum deal, which to me is very interesting because uh, when you do think back to the to the buyout market last season and Wes Matthews signing with the Pacers, he was a guy that when we were talking about teams that he could go to, uh, we were talking about potentially the 76ers, Obviously, it would have been great for the Bucks uh, in a lead-up to the playoffs when you think that, obviously, they missed Brogdon. But uh, I think for mine, and I'm not sure if I'm alone in this, uh, I figured that he went to the Pacers because, obviously, they lost Oladipo. He was a team that was really battling, battling for a playoff seed. Uh, and Wes Matthews was a veteran guy that was going to come in and have the ball uh, in his hands a lot. And he was going to get a chance to get some shots up. And for mine, I thought trying to earn that final contract in the NBA uh, where he might make a bit of money uh, to see him now uh, sign in Milwaukee uh, for the veteran minimum. I, again, I know he's a guy that obviously has ties to the area, but I, I think it's, again, uh, another sign of the Bucks being able to attract veteran guys now uh, that know that they're going to play in a winning environment. And yes, I do think that there's going to be a role there for Wes Matthews. And as it stands... We'll certainly see him being the starter on this uh, team next to Eric Bledsoe. But, again, there would have been other contenders out there that were certainly chasing Wes Matthews. That, that was the report from 
uh, from Woj that there was. Uh, but this isn't your everyday veteran uh, minimum guy. Uh, Wes Matthews is a guy that is uh, going to play a lot for the Bucks, and and is really going to fit in just just perfectly for Mike. Yeah, I, I tweeted it before Woj announced it that I couldn't imagine a better <laughs> you, signing. You have a lot of credit for that, by the way. That was a nice early call, Wes Matthews. Uh, yeah, I, I saw that. I was I was very impressed. I appreciate it. I, it was kind of a, a bold tweet by me because I couldn't. I'm tracking every signing on my Patreon, but I still, for the life of me, I, I just, someone had to assign Wes Matthews, right? But yeah. I didn't think anyone did. I so I, I didn't even look it up, just sent the tweet and worked out well. But talking about Matthews, a guy who even coming back after his uh, his Achilles tear, you know, last season, last two years, been a solid 12-point-per-game guy, shooting 38 from three-point in one year, 37% from three in the next year you know, around 44% from two in those years, which is pretty good. You know, adding a couple of rebounds, a couple of assists per game, nothing crazy there, but that's not what he's around for. He's a really good locker room guy, uh, capable shooter, good defender, does does the, the small things right, veteran player. And I guess I should have considered him as one of the elder statesman candidates well as well, but I think that uh, George Hill still has that locked down right now. But anyway. Uh, Matthews, though, just a really likable guy. As you said, local connection. Uh, I think born in Texas, but played high school ball in Madison and obviously college ball at Marquette on some uh, some really fun Marquette teams. And I think uh, a lot of the reason, in my opinion, that he signed with Milwaukee is, in addition to just playing on a good team, chasing that title, the, it was almost an, an opportunity, a strength for the Bucks that they had an opening at the two because of Brogdon leaving, because that's something that a lot of teams who were also pursuing him probably couldn't promise Wes Matthews his playing time. You know, the Bucks could go to him and say, hey, listen, we have a starting role open. You're good enough to do it. You know, come here and start. We can't pay you anything more than the minimum, but we can give you minutes. We can give you a real role and a very good team. And, you know, why don't you come home and let's do something? And I th- obviously it was uh, an effective enough pitch. Yeah, no question. You touched on, on some of the numbers for, for Matthews, uh, you know, over the last two seasons. That proves that these shooting numbers are starting to hold up. But uh, this is a guy that over his career has averaged double-digit scoring every year by his rookie year. Even in his rookie year, uh, he, he still averaged 9.4 points. So this is a guy that just – he scores. This guy just scores. He doesn't always play a major role, but he puts points on the board. And uh, over his career, 13.7 points per game at 38% from three, 5.6 three-point attempts uh, for him, which is really, that's a really interesting figure because when you went back uh, to what you said uh, earlier in the podcast, when you think about the three-point attempts that Brogdon uh, got up, largely wide-open attempts uh, for Brogdon and a much lower volume, even though uh, he was around a 40% shooter. So uh, you bring in West Matthews, this is a guy that will fire away <laughs> Uh, and still hit a really good clip and, and score the ball. So, um, you know, a really uh, comparative player in terms of what they're potentially going to be able to do uh, offensively on this Bucks team. Uh, and, and defensively, obviously, Matthews, again, you spoke about the Achilles injury, uh, has lost a little bit of a step over the year, but this guy's a tenacious defender, uh, which fits in uh, with what Bud wants these guys to do. He'll put him in a, in a really simple position to succeed. So... You know, if you really want to be simplistic about what we've just seen going down, and and by the way, uh, interesting to me, and and you don't know what what happens uh, behind closed doors, you don't know what the discussions are, but it, it is slightly curious to me 
that Brogdon ends up with the Pacers. They organize a sign and trade, even though we know uh, there was multiple teams that wanted Brogdon. Brogdon ends up in Indiana. The Bucks get some picks back from that, and they always, and they also get the starting shooting guard from uh, the Pacers in on a veteran minimum deal. So uh, certainly there were some discussions being had there. The Bucks get Matthews. When you talk about his shooting, there was some a nice tweet from Synergy uh, Basketball earlier tonight. Uh, Matthews shot a 61% effective field goal percentage in catch-and-shoot situations uh, last season and 71% uh, when left open. So when you That think works. About, it, well, <laughs> I mean, you think about uh, the, the situations that Wes Matthews is going to get the ball when he's playing next to uh, you know the four-man unit of, of George Hill, and I just sleep less of that for this situation, but George Hill... Uh, Chris Middleton, Giannis, and Brook Lopez, uh, he's going to be open. And if he knocks down 71% of those shots, I think the Bucks are going to be very happy with this sign-in on the veteran minimum, about $80 million less uh, than what Brogdon's getting paid in, in Indiana. Yeah, and a couple of draft picks richer as well. So tough decision to not keep Brogdon, but if you uh, if you imagine the Bucks having a good feeling they're going to have Wes Matthews on that deal the whole time, which I'm very sure that they were, then I think it all of a sudden makes a lot more sense, even if you didn't love the move initially. Yeah, yeah, there's no question. And and that's the way I feel about it. And and again, this is why I say uh, that that this isn't the same old bucks, you know, when you when you talk about what what you were terrified that the front office was going to do in the past or they were uh, saving money for the sake of saving money. I mean, I saw some really ridiculous stuff last night about what the Brogdon thing might, uh, you know, uh, lead on to for Giannis next summer. I mean, we know, you guys all know uh, that that what happens with free agency. And if you're uh, declaring winners and losers in the first four hours, uh, you're probably going to be wrong most of the time. So uh, we saw that the Bucks. Uh, later on that night, another deal as well. Robin Lopez, the four point eight, as we spoke about, uh, and then West Matthews today. And the Bucks aren't done yet. They got some roster spots uh, to to fill up. We will go into the full roster just quickly uh, on Robin Lopez. I know you've certainly been a guy that was you know right through last season proposing that the Bucks maybe wanted uh, you know a true backup center for different situations. Uh, Robin Lopez, uh, you know, just just a really solid basketball player. This is a guy that. Has, has started uh, for really the bulk of his career. He's been a starter, certainly the last uh, six or seven years, even last season. He gets you uh, 10 points a game, efficient score, uh, you know, from two-point range for sure, particularly close to the basket, 59% uh, from the field. Doesn't really shoot the three, uh, which is which is interesting. Um, there's not too many guys now in this Mike Budenholzer system uh, that don't shoot the three, but hey, don't be surprised. Uh, if he's out there shooting threes next season, remember John Henson didn't shoot threes either, and then he came out uh, shooting 30% to start the season before he got moved on. So don't uh, be surprised when Robin Lopez is out there uh, shooting the corner three. But uh, I, I kind of like this sign. And again, uh, we spoke a lot about the locker room presence for the Bucks. Clearly, if you guys have, have looked at, at Lopez, at Robin Lopez's Twitter at all, this guy is already uh, fitting in with this locker room, obviously with Brooke. And he's got a history with with Wes Matthews as well. Uh, $4.8 million. Uh, just, a, again, a really solid signing for mine. Yeah, I think uh, certainly not a three-point shooter 
or at least hasn't been, 11 total made threes in all of his NBA seasons. All of them coming over the last two years, though, so the same sort of He's trending. Yeah. He's trending up in the right direction there, although he did go from 28% on 4-1-4 four, shooting, little Milwaukee, Milwaukee, clue in the tea leaves there from his uh, 2017-18 season, 7 for 31 in the uh, 2018-19 season with the Bulls, but I'm going to assume Lopez is a, a non-shooting entity for now, mostly, although we'll see. Maybe he'll surprise us just like Brooke did. Uh, Brooke obviously had a, a better history of shooting threes before getting to Milwaukee. But anyway, uh, as you mentioned, I, I have been for a while on the Bucks need a backup center bandwagon. Uh, even if Milwaukee doesn't want to play with a conventional center out there most of the time, which I think is fine. I mean, the, the retort is always, well, just play Giannis at center a bunch and First, I think the Bucks' defense is best when Giannis is roving and playing more of a free safety role than just playing center. And second, there's no way that I want Giannis Adetokounmpo playing bulky rim protector five for a lot of minutes in the regular season. That's just an unnecessary amount of wear and tear and, and miles on his body that I don't think is necessary when you have guys like the Lopez twins to do it. And I think... You know, we saw in the playoffs how many times that Bucks lineups with one of Ursan and Nico at the four or five just couldn't defend anybody. Everyone's getting to the rim. It just wasn't effective. And I think now, you know, when Brooke sits, if Brooke misses time, I mean, I think the Bucks honestly, hugely lucky last season that Lopez didn't miss any extended time because for a lot of the year, no great option at center backing him up. And I just think that would have been something that could have been exposed now all of a sudden you get insurance. I mean, for their whole careers, Robin was supposedly the, the Lopez twin good at defense. Brooke was the one good at offense. Uh, we've seen, obviously, Brooke Lopez has been able to flip the narrative about him a lot, but we'll see if Robin can do the same. But even if he just brings that hard-nosed defense and efficient scoring, I mean, that's going to matter. That's going to be important for the Bucks in, in minutes where Brooke Lopez isn't out there for whatever reason. So I think definitely this shores up a position to need uh, for mine the last glaring one on the Bucks roster. I mean, now you can look pretty much every position and feel pretty comfortable about Milwaukee going too deep there, at least uh, with the with the backup center edition with uh, Robin Lopez. Yeah, when you when you do look at the Bucks roster as it stands, uh, thirteen players uh, right now. Once these agreed deals go through, obviously the two Lopez. Uh, brothers Chris Middleton, Giannis Bledsoe, DiVincenzo, DJ Wilson, Sterling Brown, uh, Pat Connaughton, Ersan Ulyasova, John Lua, Wes Matthews, and George Hill. So uh, 13 players there. Um, I will say that I, I still expect, whether it happens in the next few days or, and I, I do think that it, it will uh, happen relatively soon when we speak about the George Hill deals in order for the Bucks to make these deals happen. Uh, I, I still do expect that, that one of Ersan or John Lua uh, are going to be off the roster, whether that's in a trade, which I think would be preferable for both of those guys so they don't have to stretch John Lua or they simply do stretch uh, Lua. Uh, I think that that roster count will come back uh, to 12 at some point in the next couple of days. And then uh, we're going to see the Bucks, uh look to fill out that roster, whether it's... Um, you know, maybe a couple of these young guys that we see uh, over the next uh, few few days or the next week, certainly at Summer League in Vegas, 
uh, Bonzi Colson, as as me and you spoke about before the before the podcast, is a guy uh, that'll be with the Bucks. Obviously, being with the organization was with the team the whole way through the playoffs. Uh, maybe he's a guy that, and again, that could be another two way. We're not sure if he's going to be uh, in consideration for a final fifteen roster spot, but uh, maybe one of those guys the Bucks really like. Uh, maybe they look to pick up another couple of veteran uh, minimum guys, and certainly uh, two guys I just mentioned. When you look at potentially looking for a, for a wing uh, addition that can shoot the three, play a bit of defense. I did mention Anthony Tolliver, who has just, as we were recording, signed uh, with the Portland Trailblazers. Another guy was uh, Wilson Chandler. Uh, Jared Dudley is another guy, a fan favorite in Milwaukee, that's still out there, a free agent potentially. He could be an option. Uh, there's going to be plenty of options out there. And the one big fella that we know uh, was interested in coming back to Milwaukee, obviously not going to play a lot of basketball now, but uh, Pau Gasol. Now, you know, again, uh, I, I don't really see any room for minutes for power at this point. He does seem like uh, when you listen to him talk that he's a guy that wants to play, but uh, certainly a guy that was popular in the locker room in his short time. He had the coaching stuff, certainly. And got a lot out of having him around. So uh, still some more moves to come for the Bucks. Yeah, yeah, we're not over yet. Uh, probably all the really exciting ones are done, but I guess uh, I guess we'll see on that note. Yeah, in many ways, I didn't think that we were going to be able to do a podcast uh, so soon and, and discuss every single key piece uh, that that was going to be on offer. Obviously, we already mentioned Nico Miritich in the in the previous podcast, he is going to sign in Barcelona. There was some uh, tweets flying around that he signed a six-year, $79 million deal. Uh, not a chance. Yeah, that is, that is not quite the case for Miritich. Uh, you know, it, it appears more so uh, that this was a move for, uh, you know, family and lifestyle probably for him to go back home. So it's going to be a little bit cheaper for Miritich. He returns. Uh, or goes to, to play for, for Barcelona. So uh, the Bucks. I was going to touch on some of the other stuff, but uh, we've been rolling for quite a while here, so we might try and wrap it up unless you've got any final last thoughts. But the Bucks, uh, somewhat predictably, uh, bring back most of the key pieces. Brogdon gets squeezed out, but they obviously sign uh, key veterans in Matthews and Lopez. And as it stands for mine, they don't look like they've taken too much of a step back with uh, still some some moves to play and maybe some key moves to play. So I, I think you know when we were thinking about the Bucks free agency all year long, we were slightly concerned about what could happen. Uh, I, I think you have to uh, give a round of applause to John Horst in the front office again for mine. Uh, they've had a good good twenty four hours here. I I agree wholeheartedly, Kane. I am drained from the free agency frenzy. I at this point. Shockingly, do not have anything else to add except, you know, a big thank you to everyone for listening. A big thank you to you, of course, Kane. Uh, everyone listening to us, listening to us. If this is the first time, please make sure you subscribe on whatever platform you choose to listen to podcasts. Give us a rating and review. Of course, it helps out. It's very much appreciated as well. And uh, otherwise, you know, we will uh, be back in a little bit to talk whatever else happens next with the Bucks as they fill out the roster here and move on to Summer League here on the Eurostep.
Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring podcasts on the Blue Wire Network. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System yet, then you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. Wherever you are across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE System technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unified, U-N-I-F-Y-D, healing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system.